Welcome to Settle Smart, the podcast by the National Structured Settlement Trade Association, or NASTA. Our mission is simple. We champion structured settlements growth, establishment, and preservation. The Settle Smart podcast brings you the latest trends, insightful analyses, and expert opinions from the structured settlements arena. So whether you're a claimant, an attorney, or an insurance professional, the Settle Smart podcast is your guide to staying in touch with this complex yet rewarding landscape. Let's listen in on the latest episode now. Welcome to the National Structured Settlements Trade Association's podcast, Settle Smart. I'm your guest host, Chris Chan. Today, we are discussing artificial intelligence and integration in legal practice. A conversation with EvenUp's Chief Operating Officer, Raymond Mishanyets, and Edwin Hong, a personal injury attorney at Hong Law in Southern California. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. Cool. All right. Well, we don't have a lot of time. I just want to jump right in. Can you guys just briefly introduce yourselves and provide some background on your roles at EvenUp and Hong Law? Edwin, we can start with you. Sure. I'm just an attorney at Hong Law, but also a managing attorney over at Simon Law Group. All personal injury cases from pre-litigation all the way up to trial. And even up in past trial to bad faith or appellate actions, now we're getting involved in. But uh, very interested in all this stuff, been trying to incorporate AI in pretty much everyday practice. So uh, it's exciting to be able to share. Cool. And Raymond, tell us a little bit about EvenUp. Yeah, so my name's Ray. I'm one of the co-founders and the COO here at EvenUp, also the chief janitor. Yeah, (laughs) long long story short, (laughs) wear many hats. So anything from go-to-market operations, so that's uh, running our our marketing, our sales, our customer success. So everything end to end in terms of just how our clients interact with us, making sure that people get to know us in terms of how we can add value to their firms, but then also ensuring that all of our firms are delighted with the experiences that they get from us and actually do receive that value add uh, at the end of the day. I guess uh, it's funny you say janitor, but as a CEO, you, you kind of are the janitor because you always have to clean up all the issues, problems within your business model, right? Yeah, it's uh, a lot of people are very surprised. But if you ever try calling even up, like uh, there's a strong chance you'll actually get on the phone with me because I still put myself as the last line of defense. If nobody answers the phone. I answer the phone. <laughs> That's cool. Oh, follow up question for you then. What's even up's mission and how are you guys working with AI integration? Could you just give us kind of an overview of even up's mission, how it's incorporated with personal injury law or any any other forms of law? Yeah, maybe I can best articulate it with my story and just why I'm I'm even doing this in the first place. But so just for context, never knew anything about uh, the world of personal injury prior to this. But back in 2004, my dad was involved in a catastrophic motor vehicle accident. And so that left him with a permanent disability for the rest of his life. It was like a runaway shooter that tried to kill his girlfriend went on a high-speed police chase, and this was, my dad was just going to work at uh, 5 a.m. in the morning. And then, essentially, this runaway shooter split my dad's car in half. And, and of course, that was the end of the, the police chase. And so, went through the motions of just spending the next three years uh, with my family trying to you know, settle my, my dad's case for a fair amount. And ultimately, as Edwin has probably seen happen to many, many families, the insurance carriers got their way because they were essentially dragging out the case as long as possible in order to basically see my family crumble under that financial pressure. And so long story short, my parents took a low ball settlement 
ended up walking away with $200,000 for a family of five for the rest of their lives. And from that moment, I never would have thought that I was going to be in the world of personal injury, but I became more entrepreneurial. And somehow in this whole serendipitous kind of journey of life, coming back to kind of see that this problem still exists today after 20 years uh, since this has happened. And so long story short, families are still being treated in the, in the same way. And there is a lot of information asymmetry in the world of PI where these big deep pocketed defendants have a lot of data as well that they use against plaintiffs and their, their attorneys and their counsel. And so even up, we want to level the playing field. It's in our name. And so everything that we do is about increasing transparency into what these cases settle for behind closed doors and equipping or arming plaintiff attorneys with this kind of data so that they can maximize the value of the claim or advocate for the highest value for their clients. And currently, we're doing that through AI-powered demand packages, but uh, there's a lot in store in terms of how we aim to deliver value to our customers uh, going forward. And so those things I can't go into all in great detail, but but you'll see them soon. Just to, uh, I guess, I hate to say the word dumb it down, but just to dumb it down for our listeners, essentially, you're using artificial intelligence to look at case law to help plaintiff attorneys formulate a reasonable or or maybe a better demand than they otherwise might have considered for plaintiffs on settlements within personal injury. To give you like the kind of the short pitch here, even up. So we build AI that predicts what personal injury lawsuits settle for. And the vehicle of which we deliver that to firms today is through the demand package. And so how we've gone about building technology here, building AI for this process is essentially we've trained a machine to be able to read through medical records, interpret uh, the information that it's scanning through, extract the critical pieces of information that we need to transform into a stellar medical summary, as well as a, a demand package. And so using all of that information, coming up with those different components like the Medcron, the damages, so putting like a dollar value on every element of loss, like pain and suffering, loss of earnings, loss of services, past and future medicals, everything that we insert into the, the demand package is backed up in some shape or form. So whether that's verdicts, computations, or, or fact, but essentially preparing this most comprehensive demand that we can send to insurance carriers as like kind of the first step within negotiations to show them, hey, this is what we believe the, the case is worth. And this is how we got to this amount. So please be fair with how you negotiate this going forward. So I mean, it sounds like this is a much smarter tool or probably uses much smarter algorithms than your standard chat GPT. Am I correct to make that assumption? Uh, correct. So ChatGPT doesn't have necessarily the access to this type of data. So the contextual data. So when we're talking about ChatGPT, understanding how to read medical records and interpret medical records, it's not like all of this kind of data is available on the internet for it to learn from. And that's typically what ChatGPT is trained on. It's like it's scouring the web for whatever is available. The difference between us and ChatGPT, like although we do use generative models like GPT-4 and or GPT-3 and DaVinci and so forth, it's trained on our data, which we have a, a our own proprietary set of data that we've basically given it context on what is important to extract from these medical records, bills, et cetera. And then also here are like 
hundreds of examples of what a good output looks like if we were to produce a medical chronology, really guiding the AI to understand what does that like final up, like what is yeah, that final output that we want to look like just based on here are the greatest examples that you could learn from, right? So that's how I would uh, describe it. Cool. Well, Raymond, thank you so much for uh, sharing that with us. And thanks so much again, you know, sharing your story of your family too. We really appreciate that. It's a great story, just incredible. But I also, our sympathy and condolences for what happened with your father. Let me shift gears really quick here. I want to talk to Edwin. Edwin, just can you tell us how you've been integrating AI into your practice? Uh, are you using even up or, or is it more other other language AI models? Sure. So I kind of use a little bit of everything because <laughs> there's so much out there and it's constantly evolving. And so I feel like it's important as an attorney with an ethical obligation to remain competent to use whatever I have in the best way, right? Even up is one of the things that I do use. Our firm uses it and uh, we get their demand letters and it's a lot more detailed than it is. It's just nuts because you typically have a basic story that you write out for your client and you, you do your best that you can. But uh, Ray and his team have really developed this great program where it, it breaks down even the things that you might not have thought of. Like it breaks down household services down to the cost of those services and the hourly rate and how many days. And then it scales for the future. And then it breaks down your pain and suffering to the day and then into the future by the timeline, by you know, how often it's going to happen. Every little detail that the little you know, edge that you get by adding those tiny incremental details that could help push the insurance company over the edge to paying or to at least helping your client tell their story. There's so many tools out there, so it'd be a disadvantage not to use them right now. I also use ChatGPT. ChatGPT is free, right? Everyone has access to it. And it's essentially having a really great writer and a very creative mind right next to you, but they don't think for themselves. That's all it is. So you just have to tell it what to do. And the capabilities are pretty much boundless. And so I use it to write everyday correspondence. I'll use it to write discovery sometimes. I'll ask it to draft me up certain things. When I write motions and I can't think of the right analogy, I'll ask it for examples. If it doesn't give me a good one, I'll ask it for a couple more and whatever I have to do to, to get that result. So there's a lot of tools out there. Clear Brief is out there. It's Lexus and Westlaw are coming up with their own AI programs now. And and uh, so I'm, I'm very excited for what's to come. But yeah. That's super cool. Just a follow-up question for actually the both of you. Do you guys have any concerns for the use of AI in business? Uh, is there anything like, actually, I think there's a case where, where someone used uh, AI for, for a case to cite and things came out wrong. Are, are those concerns for you guys and for EvenUp's uh, actual AI itself? Concerns, yes. I do believe that, of course, just like the case that you stated, AI is not in a place where you could just like put it on autopilot and trust it with absolutely everything, especially in the context of legal. You know, we have a higher kind of standard of excellence over here, as well as assurance that we need to provide to our clients. And so at the end of the day, this is not something that we can just let ChatGPT kind of run with. Now, that said, my fears in this space don't necessarily come from the AI itself. I do. I am a big, big believer in AI being able to scale people one to many. And when people have the fears of being replaced by AI and stuff, I'm typically on the side of no in history in terms of everything that we've ever seen in terms of new technological advancements being introduced. So for context, for like example, in the field of accounting, when software started being implemented to essentially help accountants be more efficient, it didn't 
replace accountants. It actually made them, it created demand for more financial analysis and then more specialized folks to actually come into the field and do that. And so long story short, what I am worried about is there are a lot of people kind of hopping on this AI train and over-promising what it can provide to folks. And I think in this time, especially within legal, and then I kind of work with a lot of the PI audience, there's a lot of excitement around AI and people want to adopt it and they want to have AI in their practice somewhere because they want that edge. But folks don't fully understand how to evaluate what is AI versus not. And this is where I do see some companies kind of over-promising what AI can do for you. And unfortunately, the, the you know the gentlemen uh, or the, the folks that actually kind of went to court or have been slapped on the wrist for depending on AI a little too much, I do think that part of the reason is because they've kind of, one hand, they didn't do their own due diligence, but then on the other hand is like, there's a lot of misleading kind of remarks in terms of like, what AI can actually do for you and how much you can rely on it being kind of put out there. And I think that misinformation is going to get a lot of people in in trouble. You'll never hear me say that you can just fully rely on AI at this time, but I will be the first to tell you when we can. Edwin, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with everything Ray said. I think a lot of the ethical issues with AI in the legal field will come in kind of two forms. One is lawyers or really anyone involved in that field Lawyers particularly have, have duties pursuant to the rules of professional conduct, right? To remain competent, to be able to effectively do their cases. And if you're not using the best tool to do that, you know, you're not doing the best for your client. Like if you're editing documents on a notepad versus Word Perfect, which some people still use versus Microsoft Word, right? There's a clear difference in that. If you're not able to open a PDF or edit a PDF, your client's at a disadvantage. It's kind of the same thing. If you're not using the, the best, most recent technology, if you're still going through books, to find the best case law instead of using one of these AI tools that can find you applicable case law faster, you're putting your client at a disadvantage. And so you need to do that. I went up against uh, another attorney in a deposition who didn't know how to use Google Street View, which has been around for a while now, right? (laughs) But that's a pretty big disadvantage. So being up to date on the latest technologies, familiarizing yourself with them so that you can effectively use them is important. The other big ethical concern I have is that, like in that case where the attorney used ChatGPT, they're not verifying what they're doing, right? Because ChatGPT and these AI tools, they're they're not really replacements for attorneys right now. I think of them as like a law clerk. Any law clerk I have do some work, I'd still verify their numbers. I'd still add up the numbers myself. I'd still make sure the case law is valid. You know, they do the first step for you to get you towards that finish line, but you still have to take it across. And a lot of attorneys don't do that. They don't they don't verify the work product that comes out of it. In that process, they also don't familiarize themselves with the policy of the program they're using. Like if they're inputting a lot of confidential client communications and information onto ChatGPT, now ChatGPT could potentially store that in their database to train their models. And now it's out there. Their client's proprietary information, confidential information is now out there in the universe for everyone else to use. And so that can be a huge breach of your duties as well. So they're great tools. Some of them think, some people think of them as toys, right? Or, or tools or gadgets, whatever they might call it, but they're enormous capabilities. There's also a lot of concerns right, with the people that use them. So it mostly comes out to human error. I think you just got to be cautious with what you're doing, but it's exciting nonetheless. Well, I got one final question for you both. And it's just basically, how do you envision the future with artificial intelligence within personal injury? How do you think it'll continue to evolve and shape practice? Raymond, maybe you see yourself breaking into other forms of of, uh, 
law, like workers' compensation, perhaps, or med malpractice. Do you think AI could actually replace attorneys eventually? Or do you think it's that's too far-fetched? It'll be more like maybe we'll have a little R2-D2s coming around with us like to courthouses and stuff. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> no, I don't believe that uh, we'll be replacing attorneys anytime soon. Definitely, again, on, on the side of, you know, scaling people one to many and giving people more capacity to do great work. And so some folks may, you know, and I speak with lots of folks all the time, some folks may interpret that as I can fire everybody and then run like a, a law practice of like five people. But that's never, you'll never hear a single person from our company say that because we do believe that we're, we're a tool for growth, right? And so if you do have ambitions in terms of growing your practice, but then also not kind of letting up on that quality of service that you offer to your clients, but essentially scaling, but then also scaling that high quality uh, service as you go, that's what I, I love doing. And so that's what I love working on. And the things that like we're cooking up. So today, kind of value add things like flagging, like missing bills, missing records, missing any money that could be left on the table or preparing attorneys with like, hey, here are all the pre-existing injuries or here's like gaps in treatment and stuff that you should be aware of. Or there's a TBI here that you should you should know of and maybe you want to send the client to see a specialist. Today, we're doing that in, you know, during the course of, of drafting demands. But in the future, what we do want to uh, be able to do is give you these insights even faster at the moment that you've even obtained like the medical records, for instance, that we can just let you know right when you upload that into our system. And so that as Edwin, I'm sure you see this at the firm, but like retrieving medical records is the bane of everyone's existence right now. And when you do obtain those medical records, sometimes they're just often incomplete. And if uh, not only are they incomplete, but if you do request the rest of those records, it takes like 30 to 45 days to potentially get those, right? And so trying to speed up that process so that we can obtain the information that we need that will help work up the value of the case and then ultimately help us resolve these cases for higher amounts sooner for our clients. There's a lot of different applications, I do believe, outside of the course of our demand work. There's a lot of different problems that exist in, in this space that we could be solving. And I think it's a whole can of worms that I feel like we need to be on another like podcast here to talk about it because there's applications of AI to intake like client communications and optimizing basically your conversion rates in terms of like how many folks, how many leads you're actually signing up. I do believe there's also AI applications for settlement negotiations on, in terms of like analyzing the sentiment of, of how people are responding to the things that your team are saying within these negotiations, what leads to positive outcomes versus what leads to negative outcomes and then creating playbooks for success where we can perform in a consistent manner. There's lots of really cool things that I'm very passionate about talking about. I don't want to get into the weeds here. That's cool. I'll, I'll get you on on another podcast another time. We can talk more about that. Edwin, final thoughts for the future? I don't really see AI replacing attorneys at all. I mean, our form of justice ends up being just a jury of your peers, right? Told random strangers that make the decision for you. And I think there's a big human element to that, that that's, can't be removed. I think attorneys that don't use AI will probably be surpassed by attorneys that do, because, you know, there's so many examples already of how AI makes you more efficient, makes you more effective. 
the example I like to use for people is, hey, you used to do math on a piece of paper, right? And then calculators came out and now you can punch it in instead of carrying the one over and carrying the next one over and over and over. And after calculators, we've got Excel spreadsheets. Now you can just type in the numbers and then it'll do it for you, right? Yeah. And now you have this entire system. I like it, The technology has got, gotten better to make you faster. So instead of taking hours adding up thousands of howls numbers together, now you just punch it in and it does it for you. So it makes the attorney's job, or really anyone in this legal field, it makes your job faster, makes it more effective. For people that bill, you bill a lot less now and you save your clients money because it's taking a fraction of the time. And so I think it can only serve to help us and help attorneys and maybe even judges become more effective. You know, judges will one day have the ability to access all their prior rulings on the same issue and AI will break it down based on the specific facts. You know, these facts were different, but you ruled this way. These facts were the same and you ruled this way and help our justice system maybe become a little bit more consistent for our people. So it's very exciting. Yeah, very exciting stuff. And I think the same can be said for all of our listeners in the structured settlement industry that uh, if they don't adopt future technology, they will be left behind. And if they can't figure out how to adopt future technology, then they should hire on new talent that can help them ad- adopt that stuff and, and move forward with the times. Thank you both for joining us today and providing such insightful information on the intersection of technology and personal injury law. It has been a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Chris. That wraps up another episode of Settle Smart by the National Structured Settlement Trade Association. If you enjoyed today's episode, subscribe to the Settle Smart podcast so you can continue to stay informed within the structured settlement landscape. For more resources and information, visit us at nasta.com. That's N-S-S-T-A dot com. Thank you for tuning in.